Would you please join with me in prayer? Lord, what a privilege it is to gather as your people this day and to rest in your presence, to encourage one another, and to hear your word that we might be your people in renewed ways. And I pray, Lord, you would now take our thoughts and think through them, take my lips and speak through them. You would take our wills and bend them to your own and take each and every one of our hearts and set them on fire with love for you and for your son, Jesus Christ, for it's in his name we pray. Amen. In the neighborhood where I grew up in Fairfax, Virginia, there was a creek that ran all the way to Lake Akatink called Akatink Creek. And on about a mile on each side, it was a floodplain. No homes could be built there, but it was a phenomenal forest to play in as a little boy. It created natural trenches, so we would practice trench warfare, duck our heads up and shoot at each other with BB guns and all that kind of stuff. It was quite magical childhood, to be honest with you. And one thing which I noticed about this floodplain, every spring it was wet. And around May, when the heat and humidity started, all those little pools of water were immense breeding ground for Virginia mosquitoes. And so we learned pretty quickly, you know, I'll wait till they dry up before we go back and play in this area because it was so swampy and just wasn't worth getting bitten by a hundred mosquitoes every time you went into the forest. Well, it's one thing to be bitten by mosquitoes through stagnated water. It's another thing to be bitten by lack of motivation in Christ because of our stagnated, less committed lives. And that's exactly what Paul is trying to get to. He finishes up chapter 11, where we left off last year, where Scott preached on, for from him and through him and to him, all things to him be glory forever. Amen? That's the way you feel, right? So then Paul starts, therefore. Because what happens when I'm not motivated to really walk with Christ? You ever been in that club? What happens when I'm oh, just stagnated in my walk with Christ? Or worse, just ongoing disobedience to Christ? Well, Paul is informing the Roman church, and therefore he's informing the 21st century church here, how we might be properly motivated to follow Christ together. I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles or in the back of your bulletin on your devices to Romans chapter 12, where we're going to consider the riches of this supreme commitment to Christ under four headings in Romans 1, 12, 1 through 2. Because what we see in Romans 12, 1 through 2 is the basis of our commitment to Christ, the character of our commitment to Christ, the demands of our commitment to Christ, and fourth, the results of our commitment to Christ. All in two verses. It's, it really is, like I said, Romans 12, you, you might as well put 9 to 11 all together because this is going to be worth it as we see the good news according to Paul. And this passage can nourish you no matter where you are in your walk with Christ, my friends. For those who are further along, it can serve as an affirmation of a deepening of matters that have been settled long ago. 
And for those who are new in their walk with Christ, they can seriously look at the commitment of Christ and get greatly encouragement as they begin a firm foundation in a walk with Christ. So let's look at this. First, we see the basis of a commitment to Christ in verse 1. Paul clearly states in the opening phrase, I appeal to you, therefore, coming off of verse 11, chapter 11, brothers, by the mercies of God. Remember, he finished up for from him and through him and to him all are all things, to him be glory forever. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God that he's written about for 11 chapters. I'm not going to go over it all, all right? I encourage you to go back and review yourself with these, but it's a glorious good news of gospel. Specifically, Paul is talking about the mercy of spelled out in the person and work of Jesus Christ. God's mercy to the terribly fallen human race through the wonderful provision of his son. Radically sinful humans who were radically lost, God provided a radical righteousness through the radical person of Jesus Christ which makes a radical new life possible. In view of this mercy, God calls us to this commitment. And so for the past six years, we took 2020 off for some reason. I can't remember. Um, we looked at this massive theology in the first 11 chapters that burst into that wonderful consummate doxology in chapter 11 because theology flows into doxology, which means praise and glory to God, which results in practice, the way we live our lives. We see this in Paul's writings. In the, in the book of Ephesians, he does this beautifully. Verses 1 through 3, theology. 4 through 6, doxology in the practice. It's be quite beautiful. The greater our comprehension of what God has done for us, the greater our commitment to him is. Practically applied, Christ's gift mediated on, accepted, taken into our hearts, is a magnet drawing us into a deeper walk with him. Immense vision will bring immense commitment. Isaac Watts sang about it, love so amazing, so divine, demands my life, my soul, my all. We sing that. And friends, Paul is not making a suggestion for us. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. Rather, he's stating an obligation for the believer. It's our obligation to think about all that Christ has done for us and to make our commitment accordingly. It's the number one priority in the Christian's life. To have, understand the greatness of God and his mercy to us in Jesus Christ. And therefore, from that basis of commitment, we see the character of our commitment in the second half of verse 1. Two, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So this commitment has two primary characteristics. It's total and it's reasonable, logical, rational. Your spirit, it's, it's all of your life, in other words. Your spiritual worship. J.B. Phillips started this off by saying, do not let the world cram you into its mold. 
The totality of commitment comes through dramatically to us through the language of this sacrifice. The Greek to present is a technical term for a biblical Jew in presenting his sacrifices. Your bodies refers to more than just your physical body. It refers to your totality. Signifies everything that we are. Sacrifice refers to the act on which the sacrifice is totally consumed. And this sacrifice is described as living, holy, and acceptable. Living is that you don't have to physically die. You are a living sacrifice. You remain alive in the deep theological sense of you are new in Jesus Christ. You are born again. He sees you totally beautifully righteous in his sight as his child. To be holy is that we've renounced sin and our rebellion and we're set apart for God. And finally, we're acceptable, acceptable not because we deserve to be accepted, but because the offerings are true to God's specifications. This is a bold call, as there is in the entire Bible, to a totally committed life to Jesus Christ. And it's for every single one of us, brothers and sisters, from the preacher to the business person to the teachers, all of us, young and old, it's for the entire church we must put away the medieval thinking that makes a distinction between clergy and laity. The idea that ministers and missionaries, well, they're 100% committed, but we're 50% or 35% committed, and that's okay. Not according to what Paul's writing. What he's saying is for all of us, total. And it's Reasonable. I love the King James. And I'm glad I memorized it in the King James when I was a young man. Because I, I think the translation of the word logikos is the word spiritual worship. It's, it's not only total, but it's also reasonable. Because that's how King James, it's your reasonable service. It's quite beautiful. The total commitment is the only rational response to the good news of Christ. Thus Paul's words can be paraphrased, don't be conformed to the schemes of this passing age. The painful truth is such conformity is common to so many of us, isn't it? To a greater extent than we all quite honestly like to acknowledge. Sometimes it's difficult to know when we are conforming because there's so many good things in this world, right? And, you know, we're not to write off our culture entirely. Yet, we must think critically. Harry Blamires, in the book, The Thinking Mind, The Christian Mind, he says, because secularism is in the saddle, it follows that the Christian mind is suspicious of fashionable current conformities. We must be careful what we watch, what we binge, what we read, we must not fear to challenge others' presuppositions. And we must, hear me, we must not afraid, be afraid to be different from our neighbors. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't let the world press you into its mold. 
Then comes the beautiful positive command. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Again, the language is very graphic. The the word transformed is the Greek word metamorpho. We get the the word metamorphosis from it. That in Christ we change from one form to another. You were a tadpole, now you're a frog in Christ. You were a caterpillar, now you're a butterfly in Christ. But the word even is more powerful than that. It's the same Greek word that's used to describe Jesus' transfiguration in Matthew 17 and Mark 9, where the Lord's glorious inner essence was allowed to show through his body so his face radiated like the sun and his robes became gleaming white. We experience such transfiguration and transformation in Jesus Christ. And Paul writes in 2 Corinthians using the exact same word, metamorpheo, and we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed to the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Isn't that beautiful? How does that happen? The language in Romans is most expressive because our text says, be transformed. It's in the passive imperative. It's a command. Be transformed. This must be done by something or someone else which is, of course, the Holy Spirit. We're to submit to the Holy Spirit who brings out the renewal of our minds as we read his word, as we're in prayer, as we gather on the Lord's day and hear the word, as we come to the Lord's table, as we go about our week. We also understand that it's a process. (laughs) It's a gradual transformation. It's not going to happen generally overnight. The Christian is to allow him or herself to be changed continually so that his life or her life conforms day by day more and more into the life of Christ. Ultimately, as Romans 8.29 says, there will be the supreme metamorphosis that will be transformed to the image of Christ in eternity. As we answer this call to commitment, we're called to voice a monumental no being conformed to the world, to the schemes of this fleeting age, and a yes to the transforming work of renewing our mind in Christ. The no without the yes will lead a life to futility. The yes without the no will lead a life of frustration because Christ will not dwell in a disobedient heart. These are not suggestions, but rather imperial commands to be obeyed by all in the kingdom of God. And so therefore, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What's the results of such a commitment? Well, That final phrase of verse 2 reveals that results. That you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. 
The New English Bible says it well. Then you'll be able to discern the will of God and to know what is good and acceptable and perfect. A committed life has the power to perceive what God's will. The great Scottish Presbyterian Alexander McLaren expressed it like this. To know beyond a doubt what I ought to do and knowing to do it seems to me to be heaven on earth. And the man that has it needs but little more. See, the one who's committed to God sees life with a sure eye. While the careless and the uncommitted are in confusion, she knows God's will. And she finds God's will to be good and acceptable and perfect. What's the basis of our commitment? The mercies of God and his love for us in Jesus Christ. What's the character of our commitment? I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. What are the demands of that commitment? Don't be conformed. Don't let the world press you into its mold. But rather, the positive, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And what's the result of such a commitment to the Lord? You'll know and experience the will of God together as Christ Church West Shore. Nothing but a total commitment of our lives to God makes any sense. Any less than that makes sense. He holds the universe together by the power of his word. He holds for him, through him, and through him in all things. And if that's not enough, he gave us his mercies through his son, even while we were yet sinners. Total commitment to Christ is the only reasonable way to live, brothers and sisters. So let's apply this. A couple questions for you. Number one, how will you keep the mercies of God in view throughout this upcoming week? Just think about it. All that Christ has done for you and for us corporately as his people. We have so much to be thankful for. Think about that. How will you view his mercies this week? And secondly, do you ever find yourself obeying God merely out of duty or, or out of fear instead of gratitude? If you find yourself striving to be obedient out of duty, this is just what I do, it's the right thing to do, well, yeah, it is, but you'll crash and burn after a while. Or fear, you'll crash and burn. No, we obey out of gratitude because of the mercies of God. So if you find yourself obeying out of duty alone or fear alone, go back to point one. View the mercies of God. Identify those. In the Battle of Gettysburg, Joshua Chamberlain commanded the 20th Maine. He had 356 men to defend Little Round Top, and he was the end of the flank. If the Confederates charging up that hill overtook that position, th the battle would be lost. The flank would be exposed, and our country would look vastly different than it does today. Against 4,000 Confederates, the 256 men of the 20th Maine defended six waves of Confederates charging up Little Round Top. Can you imagine? In 95-degree heat in full wool uniforms. They ran out of ammunition. They had nowhere to go. 
if they they retreated and fell back, tried to get more ammunition, the position would have been overrun. Joshua Chamberlain, a professor at Bowdoin College in Maine, a believer in Christ, looked at his officers and said, we got one choice. Total commitment, fixed bayonets, we're going to charge. And they did what was called in military terms a wheel. They swung down the hill and overtook the Confederate flank and had won the day, held the position. And because of that act of commitment, the Union won the battle. It's the only rational way to live is total commitment under Christ. And so, in a spiritual manner, let's be totally committed like the 20th Maine. Live unto him imperfectly because we're saved by grace, we're sanctified by grace. And in so doing, our minds will be transformed into his image more and more with each passing day. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the privilege it is to live as your people, as living sacrifices up on your altar, holy and acceptable to you because of who we are in Christ, not because of anything we've done. And therefore, Lord, in any ways we are conformed to this passing age, we just pray you reveal it to us and help us in an ever-increasing manner to be transformed by the renewal of our minds. We cannot love what we don't know, so help us to grow in the knowledge of who you are, to love you more and more with each passing day, to be totally committed that we might discern your will in our lives so that we might give you honor and glory in all that we say and do. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In response, let us stand and affirm our faith in the ancient words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God.